Welcome, welcome all to another episode of your favorite podcast, Targo. You got a little more tan since the last time I saw you. <laughs> I was out in the sun, man. I was out in the sun. You're making that tan shirt look white. <laughs> You're How the hell that are yellow you? shirt look dark. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Ying and yang. How are you, buddy? Doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. Didn't you just go somewhere on like a mini vacation? A little bit. Yeah, we went to Ashland, Oregon, to the Ooh. Oregon Shakespeare Festival. How was that? It was all right. Yeah. It's all right. Tried cool. some brews, so that's there always a go. plus. <laughs> you bring some back with you? I did not. We brought no. wine back, so we went wine tasting as well, but... Okay. Well, it's brought a something type, back. type of brew. Speaking of which, what are you drinking today? I am drinking IP Matchless Rip, Ripple IPA. Got a real pretty can. Oh. Here that, today, that a, nice and rainbow. some sort of ripple, yeah. We'll see. It's an IPA. You know I love those. Mm-hmm. That's an IPA, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neither good nor bad. Fan, just, you would like it's this. It's an IPA. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I got Ecliptic Brewing Italian-style Pilsner, part of their Moon Room series. Never had it. They have good beer, Ecliptic. Probably should have opened it beforehand to know if it would explode on me or not, but let's try it out. I think I've had their hazy IPA, and it's pretty good. This one's pretty good. Um, it's a little hoppier at the end than I would expect from a Pilsner, but Pilsner good. seem to do that at the very yeah. end. They'll give you a little hop bite. A little hop. Anyways, those are our brews. Let's get to some banter. Welcome to Bruise and Banter. Targo, today we got some, uh, some big cup games. finals, <laughs> some big games to cover. Got the Europa Conference League final and the Champions League final. Our final power rankings, our final team of the season for all of Europe, and the latest news in world football. So let's Ooh, get to it, News Targo. has been hot lately. Oh, God. So much news. By the time so we report this, fast. it'll be old. <laughs> yeah, it'll be old news and there'll be more developments. So to make sure you're up to date on all of that news, make sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, for our merch because it's awesome. Check out our Redbubble, but all the links are down below. So let's get to the action that happened first. We had the UEFA Europa Conference League final. Man, that's a mouthful. <laughs> name is longest name ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it did not disappoint, let me tell you. That was all the way back on June the 7th. That was almost a week ago. Well, it is a week ago. We had Fiorentina against West Ham United. Both teams going for their second European trophy. David Moyes going for his first ever. Trophy, right? Years first ever trophy, I think. Yeah. Uh, Isn't that crazy? He hasn't won anything. And he's been in the game for how long? Yeah. I mean, his biggest job was at Man United. And arguably, they put him in the worst situation he probably could be. Oh, yeah. Taking over after Scarlett Ferguson. In the history. <laughs> yeah. So we both picked West Ham to win. They did 2-1, to one, and it was in dramatic fashion. West Ham winning their first European title since the days of Sir Bobby Moore. Man, that's a long time. Over 50 years. I mean, both sides really struggled to create much in the opening half. Fiorentina kind of controlled possession, but lacked the cutting edge in the final third. And You know what didn't look that lack the cutting edge? Those cups. <laughs> yeah, they did have a cutting edge. Because, uh, yeah, Fiorentina captain Cristiano Brehi is left with that really bloody he was, head. He was bloody, was man. Bad, like gushing. I, uh, I was West watching Ham that. Fans, and it, it wasn't just one cup. It was like a couple of cups stacked into each other that were thrown. Yeah. So, you know, I, I can't imagine how far it. away that must have come from to cause that much blunt force trauma to the back of the head to cause that much bleeding. I mean, yeah, you think about it. If you get hit in the head and you're bleeding, that that hurts. <laughs> that yeah, doesn't feel good. a lot. Especially when you're not expecting it and you're walking over to take a corner, for Christ's sake. A corner. I don't understand it. I know it feels like yesterday we just talked about how terrible it is for the game and how fans shouldn't do it, but it was literally the last episode we did. <laughs> well, they, they were doing it quite a bit before that, but that one just happened to land perfectly. Hit him right in the on. back of the head, yeah. Yeah. 
but oh god it was bad it happened that first uh, half man half i'm not gonna hour. lie it was it was a little dull it was yeah, it was it was like you said it was all fiorentina with possession they but i mean can you really think of Ariola having to make a save no not really not Me neither anything that wasn't right at him at least but the second half was much more lively with three goals. So first one, West Ham took the lead in the 62nd minute when Said Bedrama converted a penalty after a VAR review confirmed a handball by uh, Berehi himself. Yeah, Jared Bowen kind of fortunate turn of events. Yeah, Jared Bowen kind of flicks the ball over him, and his the Fiorentina defender, however you say his name, Bragi Bragi. Yeah. Uh. Just kind of pokes the ball forward. His arm kind of extends, pokes it. VR Changes had a look the flight at it. of the ball. Yeah. Otherwise, you couldn't watching it on VR. You couldn't really tell that he even touched it. Besides not the from, change of the flight of the ball, not from the live angle. But yeah, yeah, once you slowed it down and got a different angle, you see him. That arm clear. Clearly, hand. it wasn't even an arm. It was his hand hits it. Yeah. But Fiorentina immediately stepped up the pace and were rewarded five minutes later when uh, Giacomo Bonaventura controlled the ball with two defenders on him and sent an angled shot past Ariola. And, man, that was a good goal. That was a nice goal. It was a nice yeah. finish, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good control. Ball gets gets through right before the defenders close him down on that gap. and. Yeah, perfect timing with that shot and just slots it into the far corner. It was beautiful. Then we had a game. And then we had a game. It was much more back and forth after that, and it looked like it was heading into extra time, but Lucas Paqueta slipped a ball through to Jared Bowen, who outpaced the defenders and fired it home past a sprawling Fiorentina keeper. Boy. What a sequence of events that was, and what a ball by Paqueta. Oh, dude, Paqueta's probably Division. their Whoa. best player. I, I I don't know, man. I love Lucas Paqueta. I think he's I fun too. to watch. He, he shows up with some flair every now and then. It's fun to see on the field. I will definitely say their best two players are in the center of the park with Declan Rice and Paqueta. But, yeah. man, I'd say on the day, Paqueta was the best player on West Ham. On his day, he can be for sure. And yes. then, yeah, with Declan Rice leaving, he probably will be the best player. Yes, definitely. Uh, and with the win, what is it? 14th place West Ham qualify for the Europa League next season. <laughs> yeah, I just I throw shade at the, the conference league all the time. And I just want to say what a final for what is considered a third rate european competition what a great atmosphere it was in that stadium oh from both sets of fans fiorentina and west ham yeah and then teams that aren't at the level of the europa league or the champions league getting experience european success but mostly for the fans they get to go to fun stadiums that they've never even heard of before makes awesome away day experiences and they get a trophy at the end of it yeah and it's giant so i mean yeah, I used to say it was a terrible thing that they made a third European competition, but I'm changing my mind. So you think like David it. Moyes stays at West Ham? You think they yes. give him a little bit longer? Yeah, I think news came out that they're going to keep him for next season at least. Till results we'll are see. not going his way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does have the Europa League. As he, could, he showed this season with a light squad, they could do both, kind of. At least at the end of the season, when he pulled him out of the relegation battle. But so I guess here's my question: Do you think he makes it the entire year next year? Yeah, I think with the transfer kitty they'll get from selling Declan Rice for over a hundred mil, I think they'll be okay, and I think he'll last the whole season. I don't expect anything higher than mid table, but especially fighting for Europa League and. FA Cup, Carabao Cup, and the They league. were previous seasons fighting for those European spots. They were. They were. But they also didn't have European football in those seasons. So, we'll see. So, on to the big one. The one for all the marbles. In some people's opinion, the match every year that's bigger 
than the World Cup. That's me. I think no, it it's is. not. I, sorry, let me rephrase that. I think I think that it's more exciting than the World Cup final. Because usually, I think you're wrong. I have more of a vested interest in it, and it's usually two teams that are better than the World Cup teams that are playing in the final. Usually. I don't know. That France squad was pretty uh, good. They were. But that Manchester City squad is pretty damn good. They didn't look that good in this game, though. They did not. Credit (laughs) to Inter. So, on June the 10th, we had Manchester City (laughs) against Inter Milan at Ataturk Olympic Stadium in Istanbul. We both picked City to win uh, by two goals. Uh, They did not win by two goals. They only won by one. And it was 1-0. And, it, man, was it a cagey first half. Oh, dude, that first half was very cagey. I mean, Man City had possession like you expected, but Inter Milan looked comfortable defending. Yeah. I mean, I can only really think of two chances in the first half for City. Holland kind of got away, had a shot that Onana saved, and then in the opening couple of minutes, Bernardo Silva had a shot that flashed wide. But other than that, I mean, that was it. I mean, that was... That was Holland's only involvement in that game, man. He didn't do anything. He didn't. And what a what a job that defense did for Inter. They closed it down. Did. Yeah, they did. Even uh, Onana getting in on the action there. He looked silky smooth, too, on the yeah. ball, man. He, oh, he yeah. looked like he was full of confidence. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of silky smooth on the ball, Kevin De Bruyne was forced to come off in the 36th minute, marking his second straight Champions League final that he had to come out injured. Yeah, I First saw that. Chelsea. At least he had a good replacement in Phil Foden. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's something you hate to see. You want to see the best players play in the best games, biggest games. Yeah, and I guess he came out and said he'd been fighting that for a couple months now, that hamstring or whatever it was. It explains a lot as far as how little he played towards the end of the season. So, but yes, replaced by Phil Foden, who had a great game in my opinion. Uh, but I don't Simeone Zaghi's team, what? I wouldn't say that. He had a great game. For not playing very much? I can only season. think of a couple players on that Man City team that would say I had a good game. And it's okay. not Phil Foden. Yeah, all right. Uh, and Zaghi's sides came close twice. Uh, first with Federico DeMarco's looped header hitting the crossbar and his follow-up blocked by none other than Romelu Lukaku, which looked like it was going into the corner of the net. I was going to say empty net, but it was not. Ruben Diaz was standing there. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, Romelu Lukaku laid on and it was the like 88th minute. Something like that. We'll talk about the goal first before you talk about their chances. I wanted to talk about their chances and then talk about City's goal because of how much it meant for them, and you can clearly see it. But let's talk about the goal. Uh, The game's only goal came from uh, Rodri, City's unsung midfield guardian, one of their players of the season. I mean, what a – it was a cutback from Bernardo Silva – Looks like it deflected off the defender to the top of the box. And Rodri with his instincts in finals where he just seems to find the ball at the top of the box and put it in the corner. It was a lovely finish. You're right. So the ball gets slipped in for Bernardo Silva. He goes to cut it back. It takes a deflection off the off a defender. Ball kind of rolls to the top of the box. And yeah, Rodri opens up his foot. And just guides it, man. Just guided it around the defenders just inside the near post. I mean, it was a hard shot, so the you know keeper was not going to get to it. Lovely yeah, finish. Onana, and... Onana didn't even move when he shot. Oh, I mean, it, so. I, I can't you blame can't, him. It was by can't him. do anything. Yeah, probably didn't see it. Yeah, so it was a great goal, and you could see by the celebrations how much it meant for Manchester City because pretty much every single player, bar Kevin De Bruyne, who couldn't run all the way to the opposite side of the field. <laughs> Joined it on the celebration. So. <laughs> uh, and then we we get towards the end of the game. Inter getting some chances and then Romelu Lukaku doing what he's been known for this season, which is missing sitters. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't even know if I would call it a save from Ederson. He didn't know much about no. it. I guess good positioning no. on his part. 
I, I don't even think that because he was further to the side of the goal than he was in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get to the middle. Lukaku yeah. had two-thirds of the goal to aim for, and he hits Ederson's leg with a header from six yards out. <laughs> if just that, yeah. <laughs> it, it was a bad I, miss. I, I, it was poor guy. I saw a compilation here of some of his misses, and then they showed that game at the World Cup. Or he just, yeah, man, he's he's missed some sitters. He's prone to it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's had some beautiful goals this season, but he's had some sitters in some big games. Yeah, I don't know. I want to ask you what's next for Lukaku, but I don't think anybody knows it. At this point, a rumor has it that he's on his way to Saudi Arabia because they offered him 50 mil contract. We'll see. Or if he stays at Chelsea or if Inter Milan can figure something out to keep him there on loan. Yeah, we'll see. I don't don't think, I mean, no one can buy him, man. His wages are. Chelsea, he's getting paid like 325,000. Yeah. A week. A week. Who can afford that outside the Premier League? I can think of two teams. And they don't want Lukaku. (laughs) None of them want him. So, yeah, I think you got a point there. But, I mean,. I I do have to ask you going back to the final. You know, why was this game so hard for Manchester City to win? I think nerves played a big part of it. This was the one they really wanted. I think the way Inter Milan played, they set then, up very well tactically. With the, was that the they did five, they they had that back that back five that five was it five three two five two three yep something like that five three two I believe yeah. Lutaro was kind of coming back at times. To cover John Stones, but that's the player who I I would say had a good game for Man City was John Stones. Yeah, and he didn't play like a defender. Half the time he was up further up the field than Kevin De Bruyne was in the first (laughs) half. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so that's how I would say that game went. Man City didn't play the best. They might have been nervous. Inter Milan did a good job, I would say, breaking up the game, playing into those dark arts sort of thing. You know, they were going tough into challenges, but man, as soon as the challenge came on them, they were, oh no, I'm hurt. Or they, <laughs> you know, went down very theatrically. I remember yeah. specifically, I think it was Bestoni or a Servi, one of them. Phil Foden went in on him, and Phil Foden's like, I didn't touch him. And he didn't. He, I mean, if it was, it was like he touched his, very his minimal, sleeve. Yeah. And he goes down clutching his foot, you know, and ref calls the foul. And, and so that's where, like, I remember there was a point in the game where Man City were starting to get some a rhythm going, some momentum. And then it'd get broken up. There'd be a foul. You know, they sit there, they milk it on the ground for those 30 seconds. Oh, ball goes out for a throw in. You know, you milk it for another 15, 20 seconds. And pretty soon, you, you know, you lose that momentum and that rhythm mm-hmm. that you had. And you're just frustrated. So, yeah, I, City definitely looked frustrated. I will tell you that. And then the sweet relief of getting that goal in. You can tell it meant a lot. So with the win, City become the only the 10th team to win the famous treble. Pep's second of his career, first one with Barcelona. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to ask it again. Is this City squad the best ever English Premier League team? Probably, yeah. I would consider this team better than the treble team for Man United. Yeah. But do I think Man United's treble winning season is more impressive? Probably. Well, yeah, they're the first ones to do it. So First ones yeah. to do it didn't have, you know, I would say the finances to go and buy all the kinds of players like Man City no, no, do. No team did in the 90s, so. But I would say, yeah, the way Man City won this Champions League, knocking out Bayern Munich, the way they beat Real Madrid. I don't even know if I would call that beating. It was a (laughs) spanking. Yeah. (laughs) Versus that Man United team, you know, I remember that final, they struggled. Honestly, probably got a little lucky they won it. Yeah. Both teams, ironically, Man City were uh, second place for a while to Arsenal. Same thing that year. Man United were second place for a while to Arsenal as well. Yep. Unfortunately, you know, we know all about that. Being on top for a while and when it counts, second place. 
but yeah, fantastic, fantastic achievement for Man City. You know, there's like you said, there's been ten other teams. I'd probably rate that team maybe third, fourth out of all the teams that have won the treble. I know there's probably a Bayern Munich squad that they won the treble. That was impressive. Barcelona. Of course that yeah. Barca, MSN, man, when they won the treble. Yeah. I think that would be um, the best one, that team. Yeah, the Celtic team of was that early two thousands? Yeah, that? and then there's an Ajax team in there. Yeah. But that Barca team, man, they took La Liga. They that's when they thrashed Juve in the final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely the most impressive in my eyes. But yeah, you look at the past few years here for this Champions League final, and it's been one nil. Yeah, yeah. What what has happened to the game I love? <laughs> what happened to goals, man? I was Everyone's just saying so that World Champions Cup final, final wasn't one nil. You're right. You're <laughs> right. It was more exciting. I'm just saying, in years past, World Cup finals have not been that exciting. Not as exciting as some Champions League finals. So I don't know. Even France and Croatia, that was a good final. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Let us know. I think you're crazy, dude. Yeah, well, we all know that I am. So <laughs> it's not, not hurting my feelings. <laughs> all right. So with that, unfortunately, the season's over. No more games until August. Well, Friendlies in July, but no real games that matter until August, unless you're a Tottenham fan, because that's the only trophy you've won is a preseason tournament. Or if you're an MLS fan. uh uh Getting there. That was at the end of the episode, but... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I ruined your... (laughs) But the season's over. What a year it was. So let's, before we go to next year and start looking forward to that, let's look back at the best Europe had to offer. Targo, team of the season. All Europe edition. This one was tough. It was very tough. Lots of good players this season, especially in the midfield forward position. Yeah. But it, yeah, it I tough. think one goalkeeper, I would say, stand out. So yeah. L- l- let me hear your All right. team of the season. I know you've been looking forward to this because I went very unconventional. So yeah, you went very unconventional. I'm yeah, gonna give you shit for your lineup with here. A uh, your formation three, uh, essentially a three four three, or you call it a three three four, or three sorry three five two, or a three five two is what I would call it. Three three four, if you're Pep Guardiola. So, in goal. The uh, best goalie by far in all of Europe this season, Mark andre Terstagen. I mean, the guy only conceded 40 goals in all competitions. All competitions. 17 in the league, 26 clean sheets in La Liga, 28 clean sheets in total in all competitions in 50 games. It's over half the games the other team couldn't score on him. That's nuts. It's absolutely insane. Especially saying that they did absolutely terrible in the Champions League and in the Europa League. They did do terribly there, yeah. (laughs) At one of my three center backs, I got Jules Koundé. The man was a part of 21 of those 28 clean sheets. 40 appearances, one goal, six assists. But man, he was a mainstay in that Barcelona defense. Center back, right back, utility, whatever you want to put him in, he did the job. He was fantastic. Definitely part of the part of the reason they kept so many clean sheets. Yes. I also have Kim Min Jae of Napoli. Man, was he a shining star for them defensively this season? He also had 21 clean sheets. Two goals, two assists, and 45 appearances, but man. God, was he good this season and very One of their breakout stars, for sure. he will definitely not be at Napoli next season, unfortunately. And then I want a surprise center back from uh, a Newcastle squad who had the second-best defense, tied for the second-best defense in all of Europe. That was Sven Botman. 17 clean sheets, 44 appearances, no goals, no assists. 
I think there's better options out there, but he was impressive in the Premier League. So good. And we'll see him in the Champions League next season. Good on Newcastle. Definitely went, I mean, in the league, they did much better than most people thought they would. So, all right, to my three center mids. First off, I have Martin Odegaard. Hard not to keep him in your team. 15 goals, 8 assists, and 45 appearances. But it's really, he was the man that made Arsenal tick this season. Without him, I don't think they come anywhere near second place. And he's got, I mean, he's not even at his full potential yet. He's not even 25. So we'll see what next year has to come. Definitely had a fantastic season compared to last season. I will say he fell off there at the end. Kind of so like the rest of that of Arsenal, Arsenal squad. squad yeah. But definitely had a fantastic season. Yeah. And then the inevitable Mr. Assist himself, Kevin De Bruyne, who uh, had an incredible 31 assists in 48 games. So I do know a couple of those assists were for Belgium. Yes. Yes, they were. I think he had 28 total for Manchester for City. Yeah. But still, in one season, 31 assists. And that's insane. Plus 10 goals. So the man is insane and his vision on the ball and passing ability is nuts. My other center mid, Jude Bellingham. Hard not to put him in your team either. It is hard not to put a lot of players in my team, but those three made it in center mid. I mean, the guy won 482 duels in the Bundesliga. That's insane. Insane. Not to mention he chipped in 14 goals and seven assists. No yeah, I just he's the best teenager out there. Yeah. Only way to put it. <laughs> I think it's strange it feels strange to say teenager with Jude Bellingham. He feels like he's been around for what shouldn't be allowed to be a teenager. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, for how good he is. Didn't Birmingham, they retired his number? They knew yeah. he was going to be a, one of the best, and they retired his number <laughs> a teenager. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand it. That's why. All right. At left wing, I have Antoine Griezmann. <clears throat> I couldn't keep him out of my team. It was hard. Uh, 48 appearances, 16 goals, 21 assists. He was on fire, especially after the World Cup. He looked like a man on a mission. Maybe he was pissed off he didn't get the captaincy for France. I don't know. We'll see. Right wing, the GOAT himself, Lionel Messi. I mean, he had 41 goal contributions and 41 appearances. <laughs> it's insane. Imagine what he'll do in the MLS. I mean, whoops. <laughs> Up front, Erling Holland, 52 con- uh, goals in 53 games and nine assists. I mean, the man is inevitable, unstoppable. Well, not really unstoppable. Enter prove that. But it seemed like it for a while there. And then Victor Osiman as my other striker. I mean, in 39 games, he had 37 goal contributions. Yeah, the striker position was hard, man. There's so many good ones out there this year. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And I'm not even going to say my honorable mentions because there's a lot of them, and I know some of them are in your squad. Just so. say the ones that aren't in my squad. How about that? Okay, well, it's going to take a bit. Uh, well, let's go with Kavar Donna. Kavicha, uh, Probably the signing of the season. Uh, man, is he on fire. Um, Bukayo Saka. He was, I mean, arguably one of the best players for Arsenal, if not the best, or Martin Odegaard, one of the two. Vinny Jr., I don't know how he didn't make it into either one of our squads. I think it's just the actual numbers, his actual goals and assists. Yeah, they weren't great, but, I mean, he's so exciting to watch. What he does on the field, though, creating is, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Dun, dun, dun. William Saliba. If he had played the whole season, I probably would have put him in my squad ahead of Sven Botman, but he didn't. He missed about a third of the season. So, uh, the rest of Barcelona's defense, 
could have been in there. And Harry Kane. Who yeah, had... that was one you you and I talked about, man. I had a hard time going back and forth between him. He would and... have been in my squad if he had played 10 less games because he had the same stats as Victor Osman but played 10 more games. So, And he didn't win a trophy. <laughs> he won nothing. <laughs> All right, buddy. What do you got for me? Didn't even win the golden boot. <laughs> no. All right, man. So my Europe 11 for this season in goal, Marc-Andre Ter Sagan. Because like you said, the guy was just a rock back there. Clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet. I mean, we almost coined the phrase 1-0 to the Barcelona. <laughs> almost. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> my right back. So I guess I'll say my formation. My formation is a 4-4-2. And I got to say, man, my team would crush yours with your formation you got going on. You have no defense. You have three defenders. Don't look like I care. Neither does anyway, I'm just, I just had to point that out. But my right back is Hashraf Hakimi. Hakimi, he had 39 games, five goals, six assists. But let's not forget his performance at the World Cup. No. And I assume that's mostly why he made it into your team of the season. It's a big part, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, taking Morocco to the semifinals. Amazing thing. Yeah. My center backs are the same as yours. Kim Min Jae from Napoli <laughs> and Jules Kunde from Barcelona. Went back and forth between Jules Kunde, honestly, maybe Ronald Arujo, Arujo, however you say it. Whatever. The other uh, Barca center back, but I went with Kunde because, again, played well for France at that right back position at the World Cup. My left back, you would say he's the best in the business, Taylor Hernandez. Yes. Hernandez popped up, 45 appearances, four goals, five assists. And also, let's not forget his performances for France at the World mm-hmm. Cup. Might have a little theme going here. I don't know. I don't know. My defensive midfielder. So my midfield's a diamond. The bottom of that diamond is the guy who just won Man City, the Champions League, Rodri. Yeah. There's no one better than him at that position. Nope. So Rodri had 56 appearances, four goals, and seven assists. But man, those four goals, I can think of two of them off the top of my head. And one was against Bayern Munich and one won him a Champions League. So <laughs> he yeah. doesn't score often, but when he does, they're either it important matters. or just spectacular. Yeah. At the top of that diamond, my attacking midfielder is Kevin De Bruyne. Best midfielder in the world, like you said, 49 appearances, 10 goals, 28 assists for club, throwing a couple more assists for country. He's the best there is. Mm-hmm. No argument here. And then on the left. So this is where we kind of di- go a little bit different. You went with Griezmann. I went with Kylian Mbappe. Interesting. So he, he plays on the left. He also plays striker, but I couldn't leave him out, man. And Pape had 43 appearances, 41 goals, and 10 assists. Or sorry, 43 appearances, 41 yeah. goals, 10 assists. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely impressive. I consider him to play more as a striker, so I didn't put him as a winger. That's the only reason. He can do both, so. Yeah. On the right, I have the, uh, his PSG teammate, the GOAT. The GOAT. Lionel Messi. Yeah. Duh. A, and it's a quiet season for him. And it's, it's a quiet season mind. for Messi. And he got booed off the pitch for half the games. I don't understand it. And he probably won PSG that title. Without him, I don't think 100%. 100%. And then my two strikers, I have first of his name, scorer of goals, <laughs> breaker of records, <laughs> Erling Holland. <laughs> Oh, don't forget treble winner now. Treble winner, yep. <laughs> treble winner now. <laughs> so yeah, the guy, 52 goals, 9 assists, and 53 appearances. And then the last position, my second striker, where I Flip-flop went back and forth a on a few. 
Yeah. I ended up settling on Robert Lewandowski, who had 46 appearances, 33 goals, and eight assists. Yeah. Which is also an average season by his standards, which is nuts. That's just what he does. Yeah. <laughs> and he went to Barca for free. Let's not forget yeah. that. Let's not forget that. <laughs> and won them a title. Probably, yeah. yeah. Them in that defense. Front and the back. Defense wins championships, but still got to knock in the goals. So, And honestly, let's be honest, that midfield with Pedri, Gavi, DeYoung yeah, isn't bad either. It's not fair. Yeah. So that is my team. All right, man. A um, couple honorable mentions that we didn't is Christopher Nkunku and Mohamed Salah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, Salah, I mean, from his standards, didn't have a great first half of the season. He was on fire the second half of the season. Nkunku, I mean, he's showing that he's one of the best. I, I don't even want to call him a midfielder or a striker. More like he is, a yeah, center forward. Hybrid. Yeah, Not sure know. what he is either. He's he's he has a height. He kind of plays off that striker role. Yeah. Kind of like Griezmann does for France. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I there's so many good players this season. I can't wait to see what happens next season because most of these players are still either teenagers or in their early twenties. It's nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. The world of football is in great hands, even though all of the greats that are now playing are starting to retire or go play in other leagues that no one's really going to watch them besides Lionel Messi. So we'll see. All right. Our bruise and banter best awards. And these are the best of the best. Player of the season, Targo. First of his name. Score of goals, breaker of records, <laughs> winner of trebles, Erling yeah. Holland, man. How do you not pick him? I I, I don't know. Besides Messi, because he won a World Cup, but that's really it. But a treble in your first season for Manchester City. And I know Pep said, Pep said and this is the most load of bull crap I've ever heard in my life from Pep Guardiola saying, we can never replace Sergio Aguero. You're right. They didn't replace. They upgraded. They did it. Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, team of the season, to nobody's surprise, Manchester City. When a treble, you get team of the season. Yep. Hands down. Easy as it is, because there can only be one. At least with the true treble. Of the Champions League, a League Cup, and the league itself. All right. This one was tough. We did underdog of the year, team and player. The team, there's a lot of underdog teams that did very well this season, and we settled on one because they finished second in La, uh, Ligue 1, one point behind PSG. That was Long. Dude, Long had a fantastic season. Like you said, should have pipped PSG to that. Oh, point. that would have been one heck of a story, right? Second for Lon, they had 84 points, or if you look at it last season, they finished seventh with 62 points. That's a it's pretty a big, big swing. And then the year before, they finished seventh also with 57. Yeah. And then the year before, they're in League Two. They weren't in League on. <laughs> yeah. Pretty darn good, if I do say so myself. And then Couple. uh Couple honorable mentions to Union Berlin and to Napoli, but yeah, had to give it to Long. Yeah, uh, and then uh, underdog player of the year, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Kavardana. Someone no one heard of before this season. Yeah, came from Georgia, the country, not the state. Yeah, not you the Americans. State. Yeah, came out of nowhere, lit, man. It took lit the city world out on by fire. Holy cow. Yeah, I hope he stays at Napoli for a while. I don't know if Victor Osman will, but God, is he a good player. And he is one to watch for the future. That's for sure. Comeback player of the year. This was a soft spot in my heart. Yep. Sebastian Allaire coming back from testicular cancer to be a mainstay in that Borussia Dortmund attack that uh, 
be it, albeit for uh, about 20 minutes of the last game of the season, we're Bundesliga champions. <laughs> so close. So close. Coach of the year, out of nowhere, Luciano Spalletti of Napoli. I mean, no one, no one, no one thought they were going to win the title this year. No, Napoli didn't think they were going to win the title this year. (laughs) But they did, and by a a very, very convincing margin, might I add. They came out flying at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and uh, good credit to him. I think he's earned that one-year sabbatical after that. Best young player? Well, no surprise. No surprise, yeah. Jude Bellingham, uh, still only 19 years old, believe it or not. I don't understand how that's possible, but okay. He's just that good. <laughs> he is. All right. Final power rankings. Put on your hats, people. Buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy ride. All right, who are the best teams in Europe through the whole season? Top 10, Targo. Let me have it. All right, man, that's what made it hard, is the whole season. So there's some teams, they perform very well at the end of the season, kind of up, down, up, down. So I had to go with the whole of the season. My number 10, Benfica. They won the Liga Portugal, and they made it to the Champions League quarterfinal. I didn't look. Did they win any domestic trophies? No, I don't think so. I think Porto won, but but they probably would be a little higher if maybe they were in a gone farther in that Champions League. But or didn't lose so badly to Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that one does it too. Yeah. So there, my number ten, my number nine is PSG. I don't know how with the season they had that you put them at number nine. I'm sorry, man. They won Liga. Yeah. So what? They win it every year. Champions League round of 16. <laughs> okay. Round Honestly, of 16. I did, Fun. I, I, did uh, I had to put Benfica in. Yes. So I debated around PSG. And again, I also went with, do I think PSG could beat Benfica in a game? Yes. It depends. Yes, Which do. PSG team are we talking about? Pre-World Cup or after the World Cup? Because yeah. after the World Cup, no. I don't think so at all. They might have better players going forward, but they have nothing defensively. Midfield is shaky. I mean, they were falling apart at the end of the season. Still won their league. You know, I debated between them and Atletico, but Atletico didn't come away with anything. Yep. So I'm with PSG at number nine. Number eight, Borussia Dortmund came in second in the Bundesliga and went out in the Champions League round of 16 to Chelsea. And again, this is where consistency matters because they did terribly at the beginning. We're on fire after the World Cup. And then it kind of had some hit some bumps there at the end. And one big bump at the end where they lost the title on the final day. Yeah. Number seven is Arsenal. Came in second in the Premier League and went out in the round of 16 in the Europa League, as you might recall, to... Sporting Lisbon. Mm-hmm. Again, consistency. They crumbled. Did very good up until they crumbled and lost the title to Man City. Yeah. But uh, for the treble winning squad, I mean, it, it was inevitable that they were going to catch Arsenal, how close they could keep it. I say thank you, Arsenal, for keeping it entertaining. Thank you for something. Yeah. Number six. Inter Milan, who won the Coppa Italia and made it to the Champions League final. And gave Manchester City, the juggernauts they are, one hell of a game. They did. I will say where they struggled was their consistency. Mm -hmm. You never knew which Inter Milan team was going to show up. As you were famously saying, if Lukaku starts, (laughs) I am not picking Inter Milan. (laughs) (laughs) And the Champions League final showed us why. So I have them at number six. Number five, I have Bayern Munich, who won the Bundesliga and were Champions League quarterfinalists as they went out to eventual winners, Man City. Not the best season for Bayern Munich, but again, they're just perennial juggernauts. Mm -hmm. They are. Yep. And so I have them 
at number five. Number four, I have Real Madrid, who won the Copa del Rey and the Club World Cup and went out to Man City in the Champions League semifinals. Not the best performance in La Liga, but man, when it comes to cup competitions, they seem to do well. Yeah, especially the Champions League. Number three, I have Barcelona, who won La Liga. But then Europe, man. It was their European performances where I I couldn't bump them up any further. They got knocked down to the Europa League, and then they go out to Man United in the round of 32. The first knockout round. So in in La Liga, fantastic. 1L to the Barca. And Europe, almost like pitiful. Disgrace, I want to say, but... Pretty close. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Number two, I have Napoli, who won the Scudetto and made it to the Champions League quarterfinal, where they were knocked out by AC Milan. Again, the way they started, they had a few little hiccups. What was it, March? April-ish. Yeah. But, I mean, they had already... They were cruising. 19-point gap, whatever it was at that point. I think you're entitled to let let the foot off the gas, but I think that hurt them in Europe when they did that. So they are my number two. And number one, trouble-winning team, Manchester City. Best team in the world. Easy peasy. Yeah. Well, uh, most of those don't have any arguments for me. As, Just my uh, PSG my, pick, uh, huh? <laughs> my uh, bottom half of mine, it's a hodgepodge. You pretty much put any one of them above any one of them, except for number ten, which is Sevilla. Can't believe I you do not them put them in. They, they won, won the Europa, Europa League. League. But they the won consistency the in Liga, man. They won the Europa League. What they finish in Liga? La Liga. I don't know. Eighth, like twelfth or something. I don't know. It was maybe know. not twelfth, but yeah. whatever. They I'm won the Europa League. I had to put them in there so they get my last spot. Ugh, uh, I believe you put them in there. Yeah, whatever. Number nine, 12, Borussia, Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> Not even top half of the table in the Liga. Number nine, Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> it wasn't for those last 25, well, probably the first 20 minutes of their game, the last game of the season, would have been Bundesliga champions. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Number eight, Arsenal. I love them to death, but uh, I think they would struggle to beat most of these teams on this list above them, especially the way they played the last third of the season. Number seven, Benfica. I remember watching them in the Champions League. Man, were they impressive. I think there was a point in like February where we were saying they had only lost one game all season. So... Yeah, they were good. They were fun to watch. If it wasn't for getting their butts kicked by uh, Inter Milan, they probably would be higher. Speaking of which, number six, Inter Milan. Copa Italia, Champions League finalists, but finished third. Third. You would expect them to finish second at the least. Lazio. Yeah, Lazio. (laughs) Number five, Real Madrid. Speaking of inconsistency, they did win the Copa del Rey, the Club World Cup, Champions League semifinals, but, man, were they so far off the pace to Barcelona? Holy crap. They were very inconsistent in the league. Number four, Bayern Munich. I'm honestly surprised you have Bayern Munich up that high. Yeah, for me, it was mostly for what they did under Julian Nagelsmann, especially in the Champions League. And they were in a group of death. I believe it was with Barcelona and Inter in the Champions League. I don't remember, man. Anyways. I think you're right. They were undefeated in the Champions League until they fired Julian Nagelsmann. Which I still think is a mistake. So, uh, Number three, Napoli. They won the Scudetto wholehandedly by one of the biggest margins I can think of in recent record. Inter uh, won champ- by quite a big margin a couple years ago. Okay. Uh, they went to Champions League quarterfinal, but were very disappointing against AC Milan. And that seems it was once a- those knockout games came in. In the group yeah. stage, they were 
unconvincing. Flying, playing, yeah. beating Liverpool, and yeah, so yeah, that's why they're at my number three instead of number two. Barcelona mostly for their performances in La Liga versus Europe because they were awful. I won't sugarcoat it at all. But man, were they good in La Liga? Like, yeah. And then number one, Manchester City, hands down, best team in the world. So with that, let's look forward to next season and the start of the transfer window. It has officially begun. So let's get into some news, man. News, 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 news. news. Uh, do we start with the biggest news or of we go through we the do. list and then get, okay. Lionel Messi signed Messi, for Inter man. Miami. Coming Messi, to the man. MLS, baby. Yeah. What a stroke of masterclass by David Beckham, owner of Inter Miami and somehow signs a player who usurps him in f- terms of big signings for the MLS. Oh, for sure. This is the all. biggest signing for the MLS. This is, this is like... Is this like a blue whale in a sea of goldfish? <laughs> like, I don't even, it's not a fit. It's not a, like a shark in a pond or whatever you want to call it. This, this is, is like the biggest, biggest animal on earth. <laughs> yes. Against the goldfish. Like the little tiny goldfish. ones. Holy crap. He, Messi by himself, tripled the valuation of Inter Miami after they signed him. They're so now yeah, worth a over a billion dollars. They were like, worth four hundred thousand dollars before. Sorry, four hundred million dollars before that. Over a billion now. Just I saw by something like Inter Miami is now the fifth most followed followed sports followed. team on Instagram yeah. now, and yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's insane. the Messi and effect. He, like I just want to remind you, people that followed. More. They don't even play in their own stadium yet. It's being built. They play. They're, they're in a, a tiny stadium right now, like yeah, eighteen thousand. Like- soccer stadium. It's bad. Yeah, they're gonna have to put them in one, whatever the biggest stadium is in all of Florida, <laughs> or at least Miami. Did so. you see like the ticket prices too before oh, and yeah. after he came? Sold out. Sold out in less than a week after they announced his signing. Nuts. But the price of tickets before Lionel Messi, the cheapest ticket was like twenty seven dollars or something like that. Almost 400. Yeah, yeah, it's over $400 now for a ticket to go see Inter Miami. Yeah, crazy. And I personally, and I'm sure you will too, it's going to be difficult, but we'll try to go see Messi play. We'll try. But I don't know if I got that kind of cash flow around either. to go see Messi. I don't either, but you know. I can say maybe, I've seen him play already. So how about, we, I got we that got going some for me. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. If nothing remember, else... We'll try to go watch him train. Eh, <laughs> I remember maybe. watching him play for Barcelona when Barcelona came to play the Seattle I, Sounders. I, yeah, I was there too. And yeah, that was fun to watch, but that was a Barcelona team that was stacked. Henri, yeah. Yeah. Well, we went to see Henri. He didn't we play. did, yeah. <laughs> so okay. I'm surprised. So I guess I want to ask you, are you surprised? I was, I know that he chose MLS over Saudi Arabia with the amount of money they were throwing at him. So I'm, I'm on the fence. Or surprised he didn't go back to Barca, I guess, also. Sorry I'm on the fence. This is why I'm on the fence is partially because of that. And I think part of it was he joined Inter-Miami because it's a project. And then the future of future income that he'll get, kind of like Beckham got part ownership in a franchise down the road. Also, Miami is full of superstars. Full. So he can live his life however he wants. Doesn't have to worry about people gawking over him as he would in Saudi Arabia. But I also think part of it was because he thought there was a little bit of a chance that he could still join Barcelona even if it's on loan. You think so? You think that had anything to do with it? I don't think that had anything think to do with it. If initially, I'm being honest. it probably did. However, I'm glad he that Barcelona made the choice to be like, hey, it's not going to work. We're going to have to get rid of a lot of players to sign you. And Inter Miami apparently had the best proposal for him. So, well, I thought I know he had come out and say he didn't want to go to Barca and force them to kind of get rid of players. Mm-hmm. 
Like he, he almost felt bad for, you know, having them do that to pay him. And you're right. He is getting like certain options. Like I think for like Apple TV or whatever streaming service the MLS is on, like he's getting a percentage of new people that sign up now, <laughs> which is nuts. But then yeah, I, I know that's I, any, if it's anything lot, like the amount of followers they've got on Instagram, it's going to be a lot. So, yeah. I and I, honestly, I think a big part of it was, I mean, if you're a soccer player, football player, would you rather go live in Saudi Arabia or would you rather live in Miami? I'd live in Miami, hands down. And I think that had something to do with it, with his family, you know, his wife, children. The quality of life may be better in Miami than Saudi Arabia. You know, I don't know. I've never, I've been to Miami. I've never been to Saudi Arabia. But I mean, it's a, it's a fun city. That's for sure. Yep, that's for sure. So what do you guys think? How massive is it for the MLS? It's obviously going to be the biggest thing since sliced bread in America, so... I will say people are going to be looking at highlights of the MLS now that normally wouldn't be looking at highlights. Yep. It'll be same reason we're getting highlights of Christian Ronaldo in the Saudi Arabia league. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. All right. I know that's the biggest piece of news we have and nothing really compares to it, but let's get through everything else. So Jude Bellingham, speaking of the teenager that never ages set to sign for Real Madrid. For over a hundred million pounds from Borussia Dortmund. Pounds or euros? Euros, pounds. I know it's over, well over with bonuses and add-ons. I think so. I saw. Yeah, it's it's like one hundred and eleven plus certain performance yeah. stuff. Fantastic for Real Madrid. Is, yeah, fantastic. It's massive. It's massive. They have the three best young midfielders in the world besides Pedri and Gavi now. So. Good for them. They needed someone younger in that aging midfield. Next up, maybe their next signing. Uh, Kylian Mbappe has told PSG that he does not want to renew his contract that ends in 2024 and that PSG would rather sell him this summer than lose him for free next. It's still a ridiculous amount, though, that they want for him. Over 100, like 120 million, 150 million is the reported amount. Why would you pay uh, that for a player whose contract expires next year? I don't know. And Mbappe wants to stay at PSG for one more year. So good luck. You think he stays or you think he goes? I think he goes, but it is probably for closer to 100 mil. I think he stays. We'll see. I, I mean, uh, it's going to be the biggest transfer saga of the summer now that Messi's already signed and Jude Bellingham. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, Man United might have something to say about it. I would love to see him in the Premier League. That would be something. Mbappe at United, Holland at City. You come to Mbappe. You got a hero. I know his name. It was Thierry Henry, the king. You might want to uh, follow in his footsteps, create your own legacy <laughs> at Arsenal. Is yeah, right, man. Maybe next year when he's for free. Never going to happen, but I can wish. All right. I can put you back uh, to sleep so you can keep dreaming there, bud. <laughs> Well, I will shortly. Liverpool, speaking of uh, things that probably would only happen in my dreams, signed Alexis McAllister. And it's not the fact that they signed him. It's that they signed him for $35 million. Cheap, man. What a steal. That's dirt cheap for a guy who in January was worth 80 to 90 I was going to say, how do they not pay a minimum of $70 million? I don't understand that. Like, what? What did they? I don't even want to know the dark cards they use for that one, but insane. Uh, we got a couple of uh free signings from free agents. We got Hasim Awar signed for AS Roma, solid pickup for them if he's anything like he was a year or two ago. Just crazy. You think he signed for AS His Roma value for free? Plummeted, yeah. I was gonna say, uh, what was it? Not last January, but January of 22, they wanted like. 70 mil for him? I was going yeah, 60, something like that. Insane. Uh, Nabi Keita signed for Werder Bremen. Surprised? From Liverpool. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised he went back to Germany. Yeah. Good signing for uh, Werder Bremen. Uh, Yuri Tielemans. Yuri Tielemans. The <laughs> guy who was Nabi linked Keita to play enough, dude. everybody. Aston Villa for Yuri Tielemans. Great signing for them. That is a good signing. Yeah. Brighton make the first signing of the summer, signing Watford forward Zhao Pedro for 30 mil. 
So you're telling me Alexis McAllister costs five more million than Joe Pedro from Watford? Yeah, right. In the championship? Right. Makes literally zero sense. Highway robbery. Uh, PSG have signed two players in Milan Skriniar and Marco Asensio, both on a free. So good for them. Those are both solid signings. Curious how Asensio does, if he plays or not. Yeah. Um, screening art is great signing though. It's been one of the best center backs for the last couple of years and still yeah. in his mid twenties. So especially with Sergio Ramos leaving. Yeah. That's a good pickup. And last but not least, probably the best news for you or I, Tyler <laughs> Pep Guardiola will leave Manchester city after his contract expires in 2025. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Honestly, what I think should Ooh. happen is some country, England, U.S., whoever, I don't think the U.S. stands a chance, but go get him to be the national team coach, man. I think I think it'll be Spain. I, I think so, too. But It's the most natural fit for him. He's in England, so maybe his family's settled. He likes it there. Just saying, why not go after him? Why not? Um, if I'm the United States, I'm going all out. You don't stand a chance, but you can't. might as well try. Worst thing he's going to say is no. So... That would be a game changer for the U.S. Soccer Association. Especially if he left right now, you know, maybe one more season, get a couple years to work with whatever squad he has. It'd be nice before the World Could Cup. be interesting. Could be interesting. Yeah. Let us know where you think Pep Guardiola could end up after Manchester City. I definitely don't think the City team will be the same. No, well, and I don't think it'll be a club team. I don't think so either. I think it'll be a national team, but mm-hmm. you guys let us know. Make sure to check us out on our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and of course, don't forget to check out our Red Bubble and YouTube. And on that note, it was good to see you, man. You too, buddy. Welcome back. Yes. Cheers. Thank Cheers. you guys for listening. <laughs>